continuing with our series on Malachi. This is the next to the last message, as far as I know. It's the next to the last message. And uh, we, two weeks ago, we studied in, in Malachi how the priests were negligent in their instructions, and their instruction was actually causing the, the people uh, to sin. And last week, we went over uh, two of the sins that the priest uh, was negligent in doing, and the people were, uh, they, they were marrying women of foreign gods, which was against God's commands. So they had spiritually mixed marriages, and also they were divorcing their wives of the youth, and, and, and God was not appreciative of that. And you might say, well, Malachi doesn't seem to be a book I can relate to, but actually it is. Malachi, uh, as I've been studying, it, it, it relates directly to us also because God tells us he loves us, and God also, as you'll see today, does things that will cause us to be pleasing to him. So let's uh, go to Malachi chapter 2, verse 17. And that's where we stopped in verse 16 last week. Now, in this particular uh, verse, the people were saying, accusing God of not being just. They were, they, they were pessimistic about the things that God was, was uh, involved in. They didn't think he was, was caring. So it says, you have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet you say, how have we wearied him? In that you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. And he delights in them. Now, you say, well, what does that have to do with us? Have we sometimes said to ourselves that it seems like the people who are unsaved are prospering and seems like God is harder on us than he is on the unsaved. It seems like things go well with them and things don't go well with us. It seems like it's an unfair thing. We're supposed to be the blessed ones. We're supposed to be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. What is going on? Because they're doing evil out in the world. They're doing evil, and, and nothing is done about it. Nothing. I know that um, I have a sticker that's expired on my vehicle. It, it expired in, 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 um, on Thursday because uh, it's November. And I said, well, I'm not going to drive this thing, so I called a ride with my daughter because I know that the first time I step across <laughs> there, it'll be just have the police stop me and say, well, hey, you know, you got a, a light out on your reel, and, oh, look, your sticker has expired. Now, I know that there, there have been people who go years and don't have no sticker right. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm not going to give the devil a chance. I'm going to keep this car parked right in my driveway until I head to the, 
to the, uh, the, the mechanic so he can check my car over and, and do the inspection correctly. I'm not paying a sit of Lynchburg anything on Christmas. Uh, but so, have, have you ever figured that way sometime that, that it'd be just, we say, it's just our look, you know, that he stops us. He doesn't stop anybody else. He stops us, you know. Uh, but that's what they were saying. They even said, where is the God of justice? They were saying that God was not just. Now, God, in chapter 3, verse 1, answers them, and he says that change is coming. So he assures them change is coming. Let's read it here. Behold, I am going to send my messenger, that I am, is speaking of God, the Father. I'm going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. Now, that was speaking of John the Baptist, and, of course, in, in, um, in, in the scripture says Elijah will come you know, uh, during that time as my messenger. Yeah, but Jesus has told us in the New Testament that the Elijah has already come if you receive it because it's, it, John the Baptist was the Elijah that came. And it says here, And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Well, who is it talking about? The Lord who you seek is talking about Jesus. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming says the Lord of hosts. So we have God the Father is talking. We have uh, him saying, I'm going to send my messenger, John the Baptist, and Jesus is coming. It says in verse 2, but who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like full of soap. And it did not say he is like a incinerator, you know, a fire in an incinerator. He's not, it didn't say he's like a forest fire because what does a forest fire do? Destroys everything in, in its path. And, and in an incinerator, you put something in an incinerator, it's going it's to annihilate it, isn't it? But it didn't say that. This is telling Israel, through Malachi, that Jesus is coming, and he's coming like a refiner's fire and full of soap. He's going to cleanse, and he's going to refine. And if you think about refining gold, refining silver, what does that process do? It calls purity to come, purity to come forth, doesn't it? You know, the dross that comes up to the top, and you can scrape that off, and what you have left is pure gold. That's what Jesus said. Do you know it's going to take that to change these people. Because if, if, if God doesn't change them, they were already doing stuff they knew they were not supposed to do. If he doesn't change us, we're going to be left doing things in our own strength. That's not going to work. Because it never works. We need Jesus Christ. It says in verse 3, He will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Well, what is he talking about? We've gone through two chapters now. We're on the third chapter. And we already know that they were not uh, making sacrifices correctly. They were offering the blind, the lame. They were doing things that they weren't supposed to do. And, and, but it was because... They were not refined. They were not purified. 
And God says, I'm going to, I'm going to purify you and then your offerings will be acceptable because your offerings will be in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. Then he said, then I will draw near to you for judgment. See, they said, where is the God of justice? He says that first of all, judgment is going to come in the house of the Lord. Isn't that, have you heard that before? See, we think sometimes, we say, well, God's supposed to be just and take care of the unsaved that's doing things. He said, no, the first thing is, let's take care of the church. Let's take care of my people. So I'm going to purify you. Then he says, I will draw near to you for judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the wage earner in his wages, and the widow and the orphan, and those who turn aside the alien who do not fear me, says the Lord. And you said, well, wow, they were doing all these things, uh, but he wasn't judging. Why wasn't he judging? He says, I'm going to refine you, then I'm going to come and I'm going to judge. Now, why doesn't the Lord come and just, like a, a, a incinerated fire, why doesn't he come like a forest fire? Why doesn't he come and just say, you know what? You're not pleasing with your office, not pleasing. You know, you're not honoring me. You're not honoring my name. I told you my name is going to be uh, honored and exalted to all nations. I'm going to just burn you up. I'll get some more people. I'm just going to get rid of you. Why don't you think, why don't you think the Lord will do that to us? See, the Lord will never do that to us. He won't do it to them. Let's look at verse 6. It says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. See, he's not going to consume them because he says that he changes not. He's a God of mercy. Aren't you glad? I'm sure enough glad. He's a God of mercy. Otherwise, I would have been consumed a long time ago if he were not a God of mercy. And, and Israel would have been also. But he is a covenant keeper. You remember it said in, in verse um, uh, 1 of chapter 3, is that, and the messenger of the covenant whom you delight. So Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. Jesus is the one who stands in the gap for us. Jesus is the one who sent the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is the one who purifies and, and helps lead us into being uh, more pure and so that everything we do, we're doing uh, for the glory of God. That's what God is doing. And that's what he's telling them. And I said, wow. Now, the, the interesting thing is that it names six things here that he's going to be uh, uh, a judgment, he's going to judge. But then the seventh one, Really, is the thing that can is is the thing that can really take care of all of that. It says, "And do not fear me." Do you know that if we fear the Lord, if we reverence the Lord, that's what the word means. That fear, if we reverence the Lord, we're gonna hold Him 
in the highest of honor. We're going to uh, hold him, really, uh, it's going to be like, oh, the deepest of respect. We are going to reverence him with awe because just think of the God of the universe that knows the name of every single star out there. And we don't even know how many is out there because it's endless probably, but he knows all of them. And he put it all together. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. He upholds everything by the power of his word. We're talking about the creator of the universe. That's what we're talking about. And the creator of the universe is our father, our heavenly father. And our heavenly father says that I have loved you. You Remember he said in in chapter 1, I have loved you. You say, how have I loved you? Well, wasn't Esau your brother? And did I reject him? I hated Esau, but I loved you, Jacob. And so God has chosen us as his people because if we be in Christ, we're Abraham's seed and heir of the promise. We know that we are God's. And God is not going to allow us to just fail. He didn't save us uh, for us to fail. He didn't do that. He chose us in order to succeed. That's what he chose us for. And I'm, I'm very thankful for that, that he doesn't leave it to me to get myself right. Because I can't get myself right. Neither could Israel in Malachi's time get themselves right. So that's why he says, I'm going to send the messenger of the covenant and he's going to refine you. And so I said, wow, that is good. Then he goes into verse 7, and he says that from the days of your father, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me. That word return can mean repent. It can mean uh, to turn around. He said, return to me, and I will return to you, And uh, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Then he says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. You are robbing me, the whole nation of you. So here's God telling them, here's an area, area that you need to straighten up. And so they are saying that, oh, we didn't know that we were uh, negligent in this area. He says, yes, you are. And if you return to me, I'll return to you. That's okay. Now, you would think this is bad news here, but it's really good news because he says, bring the whole tide into the storehouse so that there will may be food in my house and, <coughs> <excuse me. coughs> and test me. Now with this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up to you the windows of heaven and pour out your blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devour for you so that it may not destroy the fruits of your ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, during this time, uh, the people were under Persian rule, and they, they, were, they, they were not thinking that, oh, all the nations are going to call us blessed? You have to realize what God is saying here, chapter 3, 
verse 7 through 12, is in context with chapter 1, chapter 2, and all of chapter 3 up to that point. You have to keep it in perspective. Because if you don't keep it in perspective, most times people think, oh, he's teaching from Malachi. So I know where he's going to teach from. Uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 7 on 12, because he wants our money. Well, see, that's not what Christ was doing with Israel. He wasn't doing that. What was Christ actually, what, what, what was God trying to do? God was trying to get blessings to them. Why send the prophet to tell them the areas they need to straighten up if he wanted to destroy them? He didn't want to destroy them. He says, I want to bless you. So you have to hear his heart in, in, in this chapter here. His heart is, is saying, look, I, the God Almighty, wants to bless you so bad, what I'm going to do is that if you would just trust me and do what I ask you to do, I'm going to, you remember I said you were cursed with a curse? I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you. I'm going to cause it to rain. I'm going to cause your, your crops to grow. I'm going to cause your, your uh, vineyards to produce uh, grapes. Matter of fact, what I'm going to do is that the bugs, the, 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 all the locusts and everything that's trying to destroy your, your, your uh, property, I'm not going to allow the enemy to destroy your crops. I will rebuke the enemy. And, and the locusts were the enemy to the crops. They, they'll come in and swoop down and, and leave nothing. You know, but he says, I'm not going to allow that to happen. I'm going to take care of you. And so I take that to say that when I, when I was teaching, I said, you know what, God, you're going to uphold my job. You know, I don't have to worry about them cutting teachers or whatever they want to do. I'm not going to be concerned about that. I'm going to just trust you because you said that if I will uh, uh, return to you and, and, and give tithes and offerings, then what you're going to do is you said that you're going to open up the windows of heaven. You're going to pour out a blessing. I won't have room enough to receive. I don't have crops. I don't have any uh, tomato uh, plants growing in my backyard. All I need, God, is this job. You don't let this principal fire me because he doesn't like me. Right? Don't let these students mess up my class because I don't have about two students in there that want to be foolish. And they want to mess it up for everybody. God, let's get these two saved. Let's do something. I'll pray for them. Don't let them mess up my class. Because if you don't ask God, who wants to go to a class that you have somebody in there that's going to try to mess your class up every single day they come? You come in. The church, the same way. God, you said that you will take care of my provision. Am I going to trust him or am I not going to trust him? I'm going to trust him and say, okay, God, you're going to take care of my provision, so therefore I'm not going to be word wringing out my hands over this stuff. It's your church, and so therefore they're your people. I'm not going to allow the enemy just to come in and steal the congregation and, 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 and destroy their, their property and take their job because don't you know that, that we could have 
a lot of people in here who don't have jobs. Don't think that you're so secure in your job that the enemy won't get rid of you. But God is the one who protects. And I said, well, God, this is good news. You're telling Israel some good news. So therefore, you're telling me some good news. You're telling us some good news. But God, how do I get this over to the body when I know that, that pastors I've talked to through the years that I've been in what's called Grace, uh, it was Grace Presbytery when we first joined uh, 20 years ago, and then moved to Grace Churches International, and then Impact Churches. I know I've talked to a lot of pastors. I know that, and then I've talked, to, I've listened to some messages. I know that every single church, they go through the same thing. They said that you don't have, uh, the, the greatest percentage of your people do not tithe. Now, I ask myself, why? Why? Well, it's because we don't trust God. Because that's why I wasn't at one time. I was not trusting God. But when you start leaning upon God, when he's your all in all, when he's your shepherd, when he uh, uh, leads you in the valley of the shadow of death, when, when you know that he's going to take care of my job, he's going to take care of my health, he's going to do these things, then why wouldn't I trust him with my finances? So I said, that, God, if I'm going to teach this to people, which at that time I had a life group. I, I wasn't, and I, just, and I was an elder in the church, but I wasn't leading the church or anything like that. I said, God, if I'm going to teach this thing, I have to know that it is true. It is true. I don't want to be saying something and then the windows of heaven don't open. You don't protect their property and you don't protect their jobs and things. And... So what I found out is that being a teacher, I got paid. I was getting paid once a month, and I, I, I found out uh, very soon is that I gave out of money early in the month, the first week, because I had obligations, I had obligations, I had bills, and so what am I? If I pay tithe, which is supposed to be the first fruit which it says, honor the Lord with your substance, the first fruit of all your increase in property. If I did that, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to make it the rest of the month. I got three children. What am I going to say to them? Well, what am I supposed to say to them? God will provide. Isn't that what I'm supposed to say? That's what you're going to have to say. God will provide. God will provide. And he will. And he's shown me that he will through the years. He's never failed to do that. When I stepped out on faith, he started taking care of me. He really did. I had to eat, eat biscuits sometime, a meal, you know, and that's all I had, biscuits. Something my, do- my daughter would say, well, you know, we don't have no more biscuits. You know, I said, well, God will provide something else later on. And, 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 you know, uh, some of you know the story is that uh, he gave me two grass-cutting jobs in my neighborhood. So I would go cut these elderly women's grass, 
and they would pay me, and I had enough money to buy some food. That's the only way I had the money. But is that scripture? Let's look at it in Second in Corinthians chapter 6. Let's go there. Because I said, God, how am I going to help anybody, really, that nobody, no pastor, I don't care how eloquent that pastor was, I don't care, all the pastors teach on this thing. And they tell me, I said, look, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to teach on, on giving uh, in, in December. You're going to have to teach on it in, uh, in January. You're going to have to teach on it in, in the summer. Because if you don't, they're not going to give. They're going to spend it. That's not the word of God, is it? That's not the word of God. That's not what God wants for us. And in 2 Corinthians uh, 9, 6, let's go there. It's, a, it's an interesting thing here because it says that now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And those of you who have a garden, uh, Jim, you probably have a garden. Do you have a garden, Jim? Huh? If you sow one seed in this, in this garden, let's say you have an acre garden, and you, 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 you sow one seed, how much of a crop are you going to get? Not much of you. Because you sow what? Sparingly. Sparingly. But suppose you sow seed on a whole acre. He said if you sow bountifully, you will also reap bountifully. I said, hmm, okay. So I started teaching years ago, not from the standpoint of tithes. I started teaching from the standpoint of abundant giving. Because in 2 Corinthians, let's hold your place there, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. I give my opinion in this matter, for this is to your advantage, who were first to begin a year ago, not only to do this, but also to desire to do it. And they were talking about raising money for the church in Jerusalem. So we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is an abundant giver, don't we? Nobody gives more than Jesus. Is that correct? Well, if he's an abundant giver, and we're supposed to be in his image, we're supposed to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be abundant givers, aren't we? We're supposed to be abundant givers. Uh, and Minerva sometimes, she said well, to me, she said, well, look, um, what's the going rate of this um, going out to eat and things? I said, you can give 15% or 20%. That's what they have on this thing sometimes. They, they even... Uh, do it, do the math for you. And um, I said, well, this, this person, they, they talked to everybody else. They didn't talk to us. They didn't, they didn't want to feel the water glass. They didn't want to do anything like that. I just give them 15%. She said, well, you need to give them 20%. Why don't you want to, why, why don't you want to bless them? They don't deserve blessing. Well, is that like Jesus? What did Jesus say? I'm going to bless them anyway. Didn't he? He died for us when we were yet sinners, weren't we? 
So why would we then don't do that? And don't do this. Don't be the Christian that go there and just leave a dollar but you ate $40 worth. Come on. Now, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to help us be like Jesus because he says that each one must do just as he purposed in his heart. Christ is about the heart, and he wants us to have a heart for him, trusting in him. And so if I trust in him, I'm going to sow bountifully. He says, not grudgingly, nor under compulsion. So he doesn't want me to, or anybody else, to try to put a guilt trip on you to give. Does he? No. Because he wants you to give not grudgingly, not under compulsion. It says, for God loves a cheerful giver. And another, maybe another version say, uh, a cheerful, prompt to do it giver. That's what he wants. And it says that, and God, and God, it didn't say, and Willie Taylor, it didn't say, and your employer, it didn't say, anybody else, your parents, your children, it said, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. Do you know what it is to have all grace? I mean, all grace, grace is enabling. Do you know that? We know we say grace is unmerited faith. Grace is enabling. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so God can enable you to do things you can't do in the natural. He can enable you to do it. He said, He said, all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have abundance in for every good deed. Now he didn't say so you can have abundance so you can go get a summer home, so you have somewhere to go uh, when you uh, get tired of Lynchburg, you go to your summer home. He didn't say, so you can get your, your fifth car and you can't even drive the two you have. It says that, no, he says, so that you will be able to be a, a good in every good deed. He said, for it's written, he scattered abroad, he gives to the poor, and his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the soil, who supplies seed to the soil? God. So don't ever tell anybody, I don't have anything to give. Because you're saying God is lying. God doesn't lie. He said he gives seed for someone. And you might eat your seed, but he gave you the seed. Right? Okay, so he said he gives seed to the soil. Then he says, and bread for food. So I said, well, God, you said you're going to give me bread. You said you're going to give me something to sow. So therefore, I'm not going to be concerned about it. Then he says that, now, now, I am not only going to give you bread for food, seed to sow, but I'm going to multiply your seed for sowing and increase the fruit of your harvest. I said, "Woo! my goodness gracious. Can you believe that? He says that you will be enriched in everything for, for what? For us to heap it on ourselves? No, for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. So we're giving to people. Do you know that, that, that God is well pleased with, with the $433 we sent to the Blue Ridge Area Food Bank on Thanksgiving? He's pleased with that. 
He's going to be pleased with the offering that we send to the daily bread. There'll be people who will be eating because we helped uh, with other churches in the area give money for the people to have money to buy food to feed the, the homeless. God wants liberality. So when I say, well, hey, we got cake out there that you can make a donation for. Well, you don't have to eat cake, just make a donation. It doesn't matter. What we want to do is be liberal in our giving. That's what I want to be. So uh, I said, God, this is good news here. This is good news. I don't know how to get it over, but I do know one thing is that it's all about my heart. That's what it's about. My heart, my mind, my will, my emotions. And I know that the only reason people don't do that is because they don't trust you. I could, I could have, at the beginning of the month when I was teaching, I could have said, I'm going to make sure we buy food because I don't want to be caught without food. Well, is that scripture? Is that scripture? Are we supposed to give the great king, the great God, first fruits? Yeah. We're supposed to give him first fruits. Well, you say, well, where is that in the Bible that we don't have to be concerned about our food? Well, I just told you. He gave, he gives bread for food, didn't he? And if you say, well, well, that's not enough for me. There's got to be somewhere else. Yeah, it's somewhere else also that he says that. He tells us in, in uh, Matthew, let's go there, let's, let's end up in Matthew. In Matthew, he says that, chapter, uh, I think I want to go to chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, he says that what I need to be concerned about, Willie Taylor, what I need to be concerned about is that I can prove to myself that I am putting my trust in God. Let's look at verse 19. Uh, this is Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust will destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now, if you went to Luke, uh, the treasures in heaven is given to the poor. That's what treasures in heaven are. Giving to the gospel, giving to ministers. And it says here that for, verse 21 is, uh, is important, it's key. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's what he said. I have to prove to myself that I am not stingy any longer. That I'm trusting in God for everything. I'm trusting in God for my health. I'm trusting in God for my daughters. I'm trusting in God to keep us uh, 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 from people from breaking in my house. I'm trusting in God I don't have car accidents. I'm trusting in God that my car uh, keeps running. You know, uh, uh, Sam, your mother said that um, uh, for, for years, for two years now, on my, my car, it has a, a check engine light. I tried to have the thing fixed two years ago, but uh, they can't find anything wrong. And it used to cut out all the time. Cut off, cut off, cut off. I'm nervous. I'm not driving this thing anymore because it's cut off. And so Miss Dorsey said, let's, let's pour oil on it and, and, and anoint it. And so... 
I said, is that the reason why my hood is peeling? Y'all done pulled some oil on my car. <laughs> and he said, she said, well, has it cut off since? No, it hasn't. For two years, it hasn't cut off. The light's still on, everything, but it hasn't cut off. I said, man, that's pretty good, isn't it? You know, that's pretty good. Pull some oil on the thing. You know, that's all right, you know. So um, I'm telling you that I have to depend on God for everything. So the only way that I can prove that God is my source is that I become a liberal giver. That's the only way. Because as long as I'm looking out for myself and say, well, I'm going to hold this back. i got to hold this back because I might need it uh, for this and that. You know, no, uh-uh. no, 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 no. We have another daughter that's getting married, and, and I don't care what it takes, we're going to still tithe. We're going to still give offerings. We're going to give liberally. We're going to, you know, we're going to give so much that people say, well, what's wrong with you? Why are you giving all this money? Because I trust in God. That's why I give it. I trust in God. Because He knows I'm trusting in Him because what I have left over it won't help me unless he does something with it. You, you see what I'm saying? That's when you can prove that, hey, I'm not stingy. I'm a liberal giver. So don't let it ever be a time that we say, well, we want to give to the poor for Christmas. We want to give to the poor for Thanksgiving. And you don't go by, you don't get some free coffee, or you might not drink coffee. Or I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make no donation for this cake. I don't even like cake. Well, make a donation. Get a cake to a child. Because I guarantee you we got teenagers in here that will eat the whole cake. Yeah. So we have, to, we have to do that. And so I've learned that God has upheld me the whole time. At some point in time, I'll tell you some things, more things that God is doing. Uh, uh, but I'm not going to tell you uh, now. Uh, but anyway, uh, God is the only person you have. He's the only person you have. If you don't have him, like, the, like these college students, there are people who take trips and they have accidents and they die. They do. You can read it on the news any time. Somebody died in a car accident. God can protect you. Don't think that, well, I can, man, you know, I got a good car. I don't have to worry about nothing. No mechanical difficulties. Look, it doesn't matter. Is somebody can be coming the other way that's been uh, up all night or something, uh, doze off at the wheel, come across the line and hit you head on. And you're history, dead. So don't think that an enemy doesn't want to take you, take you out. I can't afford it. Unless God keeps me, then I can't watch my awake in vain. This is the way I feel. And so I don't know what you're going to do. I'm not trying to get your money. Because I was teaching this when we were on Park Avenue. Didn't have a, a mortgage payment at all. And that's the only way we were able to buy this land and everything because we had money enough to put it in an investment to have savings to be able to buy the land. So don't think it's about this, uh, this building. It's not about this building. This is about your relationship with God. That's what I'm trying to help you with. Be a, be a liberal giver. Be like God. A liberal giver. Just a liberal giver. We have some liberal givers in here, I'm going to tell you. We really do. And I'm so pleased uh, to be associated with some because I know that they are proving 
that they don't have anything keeping them back from serving their, their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's stand, and may I have the people who are going to give, uh, serve the communion to come up. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.